Sat Nam. I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Sanam. When a child enters the womb, when the soul body enters the physical body of the child in the womb, which we just celebrated on, on Thursday because our daughter is uh, pregnant with our second grandchild. So at Thursday's class, we had this, this uh, celebration. <clears throat> so when the, <clears throat> when the child is in the womb, the child is fifth dimensional. Let me just do this so that I don't forget. December 19th in the afternoon of Saturday, the annual winter solstice, which catches us up throughout what we've been doing in the fall, the season. New Year's Eve, sign up now. We begin at whatever time we begin at. Uh, and we end early enough so that you can do other things also. But we have a really, really full room, be over 200 and some people, 200 and probably 25 people in the room, but we'll manage. When the child is in the womb, it's still in the fifth dimension. And the fifth dimension means that it's aware of all time in any one moment and all space in any one point. That's the fifth dimension. When it's born, it's born through an excruciating process. And that excruciating process is designed to limit its awareness down to just two dimensions. And those two dimensions are hungry, food, Good, it smiles a little bit. Bad, it cries. And it just works in two dimensions. And it works in those two dimensions for the first few months. And while it's in those two dimensions, its hands are not its hands. It's just floating objects out in the space. It doesn't really have a relationship with its hands and feet. And then it begins to develop the sensation of three dimensions. And what the sensation of three dimensions causes it to do is to want to be able to see more of the third dimension, which is what forces the child to begin to stand. 
Our physical evolution went through the same process when we stood up. And we began seven and a half million years ago and it took us four million years to develop a brain that could handle that dimensional transformation. And at three and a half million years ago, bipedal hominids, two-legged hominids with hands instead of front feet, had evolved. And that third dimensional standing up solved a crisis because the primates that were evolving in this way were in deep crisis. They had completely exhausted their resources. They were fighting over the resources. They created this ability to stand up partially to try to overpower each other. So it was partially a weapon, but it turned into an awareness. That awareness led to once they saw that there was more space out there than they'd ever seen before, they began to explore that space. And with the discovery of fire, they could explore even further into that space because they could go where the space wasn't temperate. And as time goes on, a child learns to manage its vocal anatomy, the most complex vocal anatomy of any creature. And words are odd at first, and then it practices, and it gets that vocal anatomy, which is also developing the brain. And the same thing happened in evolution. As we began to migrate, we began to enter new lo locations, we began to need an ability to describe what we were experiencing, not only to describe it to ourselves, but to share it with others. And as language developed, the frontal lobe developed, and suddenly we began to enter the fourth dimension. And the fourth dimension is time. And we've been using time now until now we buy and sell it. People work by the hour or the week or the month. So we've commoditized time. We've commoditized a dimension. We definitely commoditized the third dimension because we buy and sell space, which is interesting that we can actually buy and sell space. And the fact that we buy and sell time is even more interesting. But once we have maximized our use of a dimension, we, f we experience crisis. Because crisis is the only way that evolution has of stimulating itself to evolve, to grow, to progress. And usually it happens because we've maximized what previously was serving us. So if buying and selling space and time and commodities, etc., has been serving us, it no longer serves us. When people are happy, they're not violent. When people are extremely unhappy, they're irritable 
And when irritation happens for a prolonged period of time, irritation becomes violence. Violence is a stimulant to grow out of violence. But what has never worked in evolution forever and ever is that when violence or the need for growth has maximized, that the solution is within the dimension of the problem. The solution is always in a subsequent dimension. The solution for today's violence is not in three dimensions or four dimensions. Because there is nothing that we can do in three and four dimensions. And that's why it's so endlessly frustrating. So those that are supposedly charged with the task of controlling the violence of the world try to control violence with violence. You can never, ever solve a dimensional problem within the same dimension. If you could, there would be no such thing as evolution. There would be no such thing as growth. Because what extreme crisis causes is for you to realize that there is no known solution. The solution is unknown. If the problem is sufficient enough, you will abandon your fear to enter the unknown. If the problem is not sufficient enough, you will remain in the known, continually trying to solve the problem from within the known, because the fear of the unknown is greater than the fear of the known. What we now face around the world is the fear of the known, the fear of violence, indiscriminate violence, seemingly indiscriminate violence. But we will never solve this situation from within the known. And that is why Yogi Bhajan, when he was talking, 45 years ago, he would talk about a time that resembles today. And yet we were living in a time through those decades that never resembled today. And so we thought, well, he's just odd. And now we find ourselves living in a time that he was describing in the late 60s and the early 70s. The solution is not within two dimensions, which is right, wrong, good, bad. You cannot look at what's going on in the world and go, well, this is wrong. Because everything arrives at now honestly. Even dishonesty is arrived at honestly. Because the micro-steps that add together to produce dishonesty, the micro-steps, the immeasurable steps that add together to produce dishonesty 
are not dishonest within themselves. They're just ever so unnoticeably askew from correctness. But so unnoticeably askew from correctness that the key word is unnoticeably. In other words, those micro steps that add together to produce dishonesty are not dishonest noticeably within themselves. But once they have all added together, now you've produced dishonesty. And so you look at the violence that is taking place in this world and you realize that that violence is violent, is dishonest, is wrong. But the micro-steps that have led to that dishonesty are not two-dimensional because they're not measurable. So this is such a complex issue that when you try and apply a two-dimensional solution of this is wrong and we're going to use force and massive protection to solve it, all you do is blow it up bigger. Because that is the irreparable nature of evolution. You cannot repair the crisis that is striving, that is assigned to stimulate evolution. Because if you could repair the crisis that was striving to stimulate evolution, you would remove the stimulant for evolution. There would be no evolution. Ultimately, there would be stagnation. And with stagnation, there would be disappearance. You've been assigned to live in this time, not to suffer, but to experience the suffering, to trigger your highest consciousness. Because you are the ones that are the most inclined towards the higher consciousness because you are the ones that are least inclined toward the reaction. You are the ones that are the least inclined toward the violent reaction. To the violent reactors, you appear weak. You appear out of touch. You appear foolish. But there's a reason that I used that last word. Because the fool is the primary card in the higher arcana of the tarot, which is just a system of divination. The fool is the opener. The fool is the heart center. The fool is the willingness to enter the unknown, no matter how unknown it is, and know that within the unknown, the solution will appear. This is fifth dimensional thinking. This is the thinking that you were thinking in the womb. 
Now, when you are able to preserve the thinking that you were thinking in the womb, such as Tesla did, such as Einstein did, such as so many of the great thinkers, the great seers did, you will see things that others can't see. You will hear things that others can't hear. You will experience things that others can't experience. And then it's your task to be seeing, hearing, experiencing that which others can't experience and not be discouraged, which means to come out of your heart. Kur is the heart. Discouraged, come out of the time of the heart. Not be discouraged by the fact that no one gets you. That no one understands you. Because if people understood you, you would not have solutions. Because we are living in an age of evolutionary crisis. We are living at an age of sublimation. Sublimation is the moment when ice turns to water, the moment when water turns to steam. It's a it's a sea level transformation. That was not a corporate statement. <laughs> C meaning S E A. The only question is are you prepared to be a servant? of the solution over being a contributor to the problem. Because if all you're doing here on earth is eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner and sleeping at night and figuring out how to make both of those things more pleasurable, then you're part of the problem. Because when you have seven plus billion people doing just that, some people are going to get left out. And those people that are going to get left out are going to be very unhappy. And that unhappiness is going to lead to frustration. And ultimately that frustration is going to lead to anger. And ultimately that anger is going to lead to action. And that action is going to be violent. If we were to really research what is happening in the world, we would have to go back several hundred years to realize what is happening in the world. It's not a simplistic view. It's a complex view. But it is three-dimensional, four-dimensional. 200 years is the fourth dimension. The solution isn't there. And so what you have to do is go, hmm, this is a big problem. And not get caught up in the discussion of how the problem got to be the problem. 
because even that intellectual exercise is a three and four dimensional exercise. I mean, I could talk circles around you because I know that history. I've studied that history. But I also know that it wouldn't make any difference if I talked circles around anybody or convinced anybody of anything because that is not the solution. That is just a description of the problem. And it may be a description that has keen and intricate understanding of the problem. It's still not the solution. The only time I'm in solution is when I'm in asana, when I'm in meditation, when I'm in contemplation beyond these dimensions. The only time that I am in solution is when I am uncomfortable. In other words, I'm doing a meditation way longer than I want to be doing it today, <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> right? Ever been there? Of course you have. In an asana, oh gee, why is that timer taking so long? Yeah. Because what does it do? You're trapped in this physical three and four dimensional vehicle. What is the child doing in the fifth dimension in the womb? The child is stretching into its facilities, stretching into its fascia, myofascia, stretching in, plugging in its nervous system, growing its neurology. 13 million per breath until you're 22. 13 million growing neurons producing opportunities. Every one of those neurons producing opportunities to have a revelation, to have a realization, to have an understanding of a dimension that doesn't exist. How can you describe the fourth dimension? How can you describe the fourth dimension? 10 million years ago. Are you going to say, well, there's seconds and minutes? You can't even use seconds and minutes 5,000 years ago. How would you describe the fourth dimension 5,000 years ago? How would you describe the third dimension? How are you going to be able to describe the fifth dimension? How are you going to be able to describe the solutions to this issue of the fifth dimension? Because what is going to have to happen is that the fear that is causing the aggression, which is the aggression that's causing the reaction, and the reaction is called not state-sponsored reaction. As if state-sponsored aggression is okay. We grieve over 14 people 60 miles from here. 
Did you grieve over the 14 people 10,000 miles from here? One of the most profound events in the Cold War was caused by Sting and the police when there was that one line in one of their songs, even Russians love their children too. And that one line in that one song changed more minds and suddenly it was like, oh wow, I didn't even think of that. There was just this threat. When you get down to the 14 people 60 miles from here, it's a tragedy. 14 people 10,000 miles from here, it's a tragedy. When you begin to add up the tragedies, you feel pain. You must go into that pain. You must not avoid that pain. You must experience that pain because that is the pain the Buddha said will transform you. That is the grief that will transform you. As a matter of fact, there was a great musician that lived about 600 years ago. And this musician was a musician of the voice of the human voice, a great ragi, as they would call it. And this ragi was traveling along a road and he heard coming from a village, as the road was passing by a village, he heard coming from within the village this woman's voice agonizing and she, he could see off in the distance that there was a funeral pyre because he could see the smoke coming up from the, from the fire. So he took his, his uh, pony and he rode over to that area and he saw this woman, her, she was the wife of the man whose body was being burned on the, on the funeral pyre. And she was in such agony, her voice was, oh! And he sat down next to her and he said, I have to use this sound. Because this sound is connecting her to her husband. I know we point up, but it's not actually up. It's other dimensional. Up is part of three dimensions. And he said, this sound of her voice, this sound of agony of grief, is a gateway to the fifth dimension. And he built an entire system of rag. And it's called rag akal. The, the rag or the songs or the melodies of the separation between heaven and earth, which is not a separation. Because when you can be convincing... with your words and with your voice. Every person that you touch with your words and your voice will come out of the agony and into the fifth dimension. And when we get enough people in that state of consciousness, which we don't know what it looks like at this point because we can't, we can't experience it from a description 
that's three and four dimensional. We will solve the problem. And that's why you were sent here. You were sent here to solve the problem in the midst of your three and four dimensional needs. You've got to eat. You've got to sleep. You've got to do all those things. You've got to be social. And in today's three and four dimensional world, you have to pay your bills. Because paying bills is just part of the fourth dimension. Well, it's kind of a bridge because you pay in the fourth dimension for something you're using primarily in the third dimension. But then again, food is a fourth dimensional event, right? You don't eat and then you're done. You eat and then time passes and you have to eat again. Do you understand what we're saying here? Do you understand that the solutions to what we're dealing with in this world are within you, but you don't know what they are? And to receive those solutions, to receive the awareness and be able to act with those solutions, you have to do yoga, you have to eat properly so that your food is not distorting you. You have to meditate, you have to clear the mind. You have to have a clarity of emotional body. All of this. Because we were not sent here to do our three and four dimensional deeds. We were sent here, huh, I'll use the word, to crank open the doorway to the fifth dimension. And the doorway to the fifth dimension is both positive and negative. Einstein, what did Einstein say about, about his introduction of the, of the capacity to split the atom? He said he grieved every day for having introduced that capacity. He felt that it was, had been introduced far too early because what he had done is he had put a gun in the hand of a three-year-old. And the three-year-old would be using it unconsciously, indiscriminately. So, let's do yoga and let's do what we have to do. Let's stretch. And by the way, just a little kind of like sobering of this today's lecture, right? Because this was a lecture straight out of Yogi Bhajan's notes. The soberingness, don't go, oh, that's kind of uncomfortable. Go, mmm, that's nicely uncomfortable. That'll help stimulate me. Yeah. Not that you have to force discomfort on a daily basis. There's enough of that. Doorways, yes. Doorways into the next evolution. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.